Hello, my Mesopotamian friends that Chris has been pissing off. And hello, No Holds Barred Witchcraft fans. Chris, look, it says No Holds Barred Witchcraft, so I remember what podcast this is, so I can read it now. Oh, just in okay. case I say the wrong thing, innit? Well, you are a bit forgetful these days. Well, saying the wrong thing has got me into a lot of trouble in the past, Chris. I know it may be difficult to, for you to believe that, but it is true. Wow. I can't possibly believe that, Liam. Why would I believe such a thing? Well, we have a request, because some people like to make requests for, for topics of conversation. Other people just think they come up with a good snazzy title and think, what the hell are they going to do with that? I think the latter is probably what was going through this person's mind. Uh, so this is by the Astral Prophet, Chris. Uh, the Astral Prophet has said that they want a podcast episode entitled Litterbox Epiphanies, right? Now, there's two apparent definitions to epiphany. One is the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. Okay. The second is probably what most people think of it, a manifestation of divine or supernatural being, Okay kind of goes with the first one most people i think when they say an epiphany that's what you said wasn't it? a sudden of um, sudden and great revelation or realization eureka right so i suppose we've got to talk about all of these things we've got to talk about gentiles or as i always read it genitals christ genital <laughs> genitals that doesn't surprise me. Looks at the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, and I just think Christ genitals in a sentence, you know? That's just where my mind goes, isn't it? Right? So we've got to talk about Christ's genitals by the looks of it. We also need to talk about manifestation of a divine or supernatural being. So that's a full-fledged manifestation. And then also epiphanies and such. Now they've called it litter box epiphanies. Now a litter box is a sh is is a little box that animals, mainly cats, go shit in. Right? People that have cats as pets, they may have a like a litter box, right? So a litter box epiphany must have something to do with rather shit realizations. So shit epiphanies. I don't know, because some people have great ideas when they're sat on the loom. Or at least that's what oh, well, they, we can talk about that what they say. Is they often say they've had, you know, I was digesting, you know, um, breakfast and also digesting a good idea. Because it's some people like time to think when they're on the loo. I just want to get out of there and go somewhere else and do something else. I find it a real inconvenience having having bowels you find um, an inconvenience having bowels <laughs> right thanks for sharing that do you know I, do you know what i mean i just find it a really i just find it really inconvenient having to find time to how often do you go in it make movements not that often not as often as i probably should you're making it sound like you've got an issue, both by saying that you, you know, that is a big problem, that you clearly it takes up so much of your day going and doing a dump or something. But the second is like, I don't go as often as I should. That also makes me wonder for your general health, Chris. Is everything well, obviously, okay? Everything's okay as it can be. Right. Okay. Well, I had that scare earlier in the year, but let's not talk about that. Well, you're the one that brought it up. So, but my point is, my point is, lots of people say that it's good thinking time. Like, I've had many an ex who, the only time I would get text messages was when they were sat taking a jump when they should have been working. I'm sure there's a joke about like attracting like and, you know, all that sort of thing in there, but <laughs> I wouldn't make such a... Such a comment. I have more respect for you than to Lies. compare you to a shit. Lies. Anyway, my point was good ideas. When do you get your best ideas, Leah? I get my best ideas normally when I 
really want to really want to fuck someone up right that's when i get oh, my because okay. if someone's sparked my interest enough to make that part of my brain go that's the creative type you see because i think i i'm i'm normally fairly robotic and clinical but on the odd occasion really where yes really um on the odd occasion where my creativity my venusian side you know flutters in is normally because i feel creative and what gets me going what gets my creative juices flowing revenge normally oh, okay. <laughs> that's what gets me going <laughs> revenge creative ideas that have to be stacked upon each other because i don't know it's like the sort of thing where i think well obviously one of them one of the ideas has to eventually do them in but i feel a little bit cheated right this is all idea like in uh i think it was uh, you saw this in supernatural right that tv series where they send people to hell and they mutilate them and torture them and then at the end of the day everything grows back yeah yeah so they can do it again That's the next day me. i feel that way i feel like if it's the perfect revenge it takes too long to plan the perfect thing right because I'd have to put a lot of effort into thinking what's the worst possible thing that can happen to this person that does create a lot of effort and I'll never be fully decided upon that. Therefore, what I feel is I need to, you know, switch into different modes, creativity, Liam gives and the Liam takes away and then Liam gives and replaces with something rather nastier than what you had before. So the first torture that you were crying about, by the time the second torture comes around, you're begging me to give you the first torture again you see i love that i think that that is uh, an art form because people don't like torture as a general rule i know there are some sickos out there um but people don't like torture as a, as a general rule so when people are begging you to torture them in a different way particularly in a way that they were crying about earlier on in the evening <laughs> i find that that is you're in the right area, Chris. You're putting pressure in the right okay. place. Because they go, I can't take any more of this, cry, weep, beg, beg, beg. But then you mix it up and give them something else. And then they're suddenly begging for that thing that they could not think of anything worse than before, right? And for me, creative. You have to continue. You have to. It's much like at the gym. At the gym, you are not in competition with everyone else. A lot of people think you are. You're in competition with yourself, right? And I am in competition with myself if I were to be torturing people, you know, because it's like I need to upstage myself, you know. And after the centuries passed, yes, new technologies and experiences and stuff take hold. I mean, this kind of social media things fascinating nowadays that's brought in all sorts of uh, ways in which people can feel bad and suffer um that i never thought of before i'm having wonderful fun with that um but yeah what well, that's my creative side anyway chris like picasso with a razor as they described in supernatural <laughs> with, uh, alistair wasn't it one of my favorite characters see for me obviously it's the opposite which is i'm always creative so quieting my mind in order to do something mercurial is normally where i have to go and have a brilliant idea um so because yeah naturally my brain is going all the time creatively and that's not often helpful um, because it means there's all this constant onslaught of, oh, I can fix that if I did, or that that doesn't belong there. Let's change that. Um, or that gap's empty. Let's fill it with something. So I suppose my kind of zoning time is normally a way in which to as quiet as possible my brain um and then that is when the ordering happens when the the lists happen and the the other ways of structuring everything 
because to me everything has to has to fit in but it can be organic but obviously it's always got this beautiful little trellis for the for the vines to grow up and blossom so i do every now and again have to force myself to go if i don't put order to this chaos very quickly it's just going to stay you know rolling and rolling until it's snowballed into something completely different so have you had any litter box epiphanies i great manifestations either of jesus or of ideas and such whilst you have been on the human litter box known as the toilet um have you stretched out any great ideas <laughs> i have done occasionally but normally it's not not my own toilet at home oh you like to crap so, in other people's toilets no i There's don't a lot of people that won't do that you know i really don't liam i have a real problem with public toilets but what about I'm, people with private toilets in their private houses are you no, okay definitely not no definitely not do you I think, think it's I've... unacceptable i had this conversation with two ladies the other day do you think it's unacceptable to go to the toilet in someone else's toilet number two that's the one that makes the splash people i find i find it rude you think it's well, rude to use someone else's toilet yeah for, well anything that might cause cause a scent because that is proper fouling somebody else's place i thought you'd get a kick out of that you know dominating someone else's uh private abode no <laughs> you like doing it with auras why not houses <laughs> no i don't i really don't i have a proper issue with it it takes me a really long time to feel comfortable doing a number two anywhere which is probably why i have problems with my bowels liam is because i'm so restrained right okay you're fully backed up like Often. the m4 at rush hour for our american and m4 is a motorway motorway number four <laughs> but no so no that's not one of the best places for me to have good ideas i think you'll find it unsurprising to to say the least that i like a walk right so because we are oversharing right i'm not one of those people that if i'm sat on the toilet that i like have a lot of stuff going through my mind in terms of great ideas and that do you know what's honestly on my mind when i'm on the toilet right what the spirits can see me <laughs> <laughs> I am literally, I am literally, when I am on the toilet, I that is the only time I ever do warding and such. <laughs> no, honestly, this is the honest truth now. And I blame my childhood because, of, of course, amateur psychologists will always tell you everything goes back to your childhood, where we were always told Jesus is watching you all the time. And well, I Freud. used to think when I was sat on the toilet as a child, Jesus and it used to really freak me out and then as i got older and i worked with various spirits and that i started to realize that yes on a multi-dimensional level there are things that watch you when you do toilet and i don't really like that i feel somewhat vulnerable when yeah. i'm sat on the toilet if i'm not if i'm honest and although i don't think that it's a very good idea for a black magician out there to try and do spell work on me when I'm on the toilet because at the end of the day that's probably when I'm most protected because <laughs> this is when I'm actively <laughs> deflecting <laughs> but so yeah I wonder you, is that just a me thing or are you the thing no really? not the same at all but you know very well that most of my you know uh spirit manifestation Water. times is during during shower time anyway so yeah. when I have my most conversations when I open for conversations is normally while I'm naked. So I don't really have a problem with that at all. It's only flesh at the end of the day. Because I, I used to have this, this thing, right? And it was like, you watch these television shows, don't you, and films and stuff like that, where it's normally to do with like going backwards and forwards in time, the future where you go and meet yourself and you 
manifest in front of yourself in the future or in the past or you know harry potter they try to track someone down or charmed they track someone down and they orb in which is basically like apparition they go poof or a jingle jingle and they just kind of appear there and i always used to freak out and think if anything if any any time any spirit's going to start manifesting when i don't want to do it's going to be when i'm sat on the toilet there it is that's just the sort of life i lead so yeah, I've always actively warded. Um, so there we go, there's a nice little thing to shower. I wonder if the comments will reveal anyone else that does that or whether I'm just gonna be some sort of freak now that people aren't gonna leave that alone. But, well, you are a freak, a robot um, freak from the future. Um, but no, in talking about actively warding, the only time I really actively ward is when I'm about to go to sleep. When you're about to go to sleep? Yeah. Ah. Mainly to keep me in, not really yeah. to keep me out, but keep other like things well, out. You're chaining yourself up magically. Yeah, basically. Just without the physical chains. They're more magical chains. Basically, yeah. And is that practical or is that just a kink or a fetish of yours? You like to be magically bound, surrender to your sleep? No, I just like to be held in the... In, I'm just worried that one day I'll go to sleep and I just decide not to come back to my body. Well, nowadays they keep it for you, don't they, in storage and such. They have whole hospital wings dedicated to the sleepy people. I suppose. Assuming someone finds you, of course, which I'm presuming they will. You won't starve yourself to death. Who we'll knows? See. We shall see. But anyway, so Jesus has never appeared to you on the toilet like he did with his genitals. No. <laughs> like Gentiles. <laughs> no, I kind of avoid Jesus. I'm okay. not very good with folk saints in general, really. Are you referring to Jesus as a folk saint? Yes. Oh, <laughs> you're about to upset a few people, no doubt. Our good That's Christian what? friends will no doubt be scared. Uh, scared will be offended by that. That's fine. So they can be. Um, well, ultimately, why? what would you call a saint? To me, a, a saint is a ascended individual, whereas they like to think of him as a son of God, which would mean a descent. But it's more of an ascent, isn't it? Let's face it. Um, I think I've, my opinion of saints over the years has changed. I used to think of it as more of like a reward thing, like an OBE or something like that. <laughs> we're just like, yes, we recognize your service and we're going to bestow the title upon you. Okay. Nowadays, I kind of see it more like influencers. So I see it more like, oh, the Catholic Church, you know, there's some cool person or spirit or thing with a reputation oh, I know, we've got to sign them up to represent our brand. So they're now an official saint or an unofficial saint of the of the church, you know? Kind of like a Kardashian or something doing a deal. I think they kind oh, of get okay. claimed, you know? Because there's a lot of people that don't want to wear uh, spirits and such that don't, that understand, much like in private equity, you know, you've got a little small startup business. You can do a certain amount with your life savings and you can grow. But sometimes when someone drops a couple of hundred million down, big things can happen. And with the Catholic Church coming along, picking up these little spirits and people and such with a good reputation, they think, oh, I could invest in you, but just know that I own the majority of your shares, i.e. you're my bitch now. Okay. So are you, uh, making, are you making a distinction between a prophet and a saint? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm thinking that in terms of like when I said my opinion of things has changed. It used to be more like progressing within an organization or oh, look, we're giving you, you know, a, a golden watch or something like that because you work corner office. For years. It's like, oh, you're you are you are the person which everyone should be looking up to as a prime example of what you're supposed to be like working for the company, i.e. Catholic Church. Nowadays is more like, well, actually, 
employees come and go we are very much into zero hours contracts and seasonal workers so it's like realistically <laughs> no one stays there 25 years so instead we've just got to get whoever has got the latest kind of following and we'll just brand them brand them catholic in the middle of their forehead make it official by being a saint which basically means look we'll give you a certain amount of power but remember you're ours at the end of the day under the umbrella obviously i'm talking about the good old-fashioned ones the ones that have been around for a long time you're talking about modern saints i'm talking talking about old-fashioned ones but now i'm also talking about modern ones modern ones are more like the instagram um influencers and such and the new what the older ones are more like the old-fashioned yeah i drunk the kool-aid i'm a company boy or girl type thing you know i sacrificed myself Joan of Arc. Is she a saint? I'm pretty sure she's a saint, isn't she? She should be. Saint Joan? I've never heard her referred to as Saint Joan. You don't because you're normally specifying Joan of Arc over other Saint Joans. But I'm pretty sure she was martyred. Yeah, she was a martyr. Uh, Yeah, she's declared one of the patron saints of France. I don't know if that really counts, though, does it? For multiple reasons. Wow. <laughs> Tonight's theme, guys, is xenophobia. Yes. Well, if you're going to be some sort of phobe, then you better get the one which pays the most in terms of Scrabble points, yes? <laughs> That's what makes sense to me. Okay. So you want that Someone needs to offering me up a better phobe or ist or whatever it is to be. Whatever gets <laughs> me the most Scrabble points is what I'm after, all right, people? Yeah. So, how much? We've got less than 10 minutes left. So, are we going to talk about anything other than toilets? Are you going to bestow mm. some, magical, some magical knowledge? Are you going to give someone an epiphany, Chris? Well, I would hope that every episode that we do gives somebody an epiphany. That's kind I've been of the told whole that point. that is the case. That there that are people that listen to this, and they are in awe. There are some people that watch that Fasty Witches show that we do, and they're in awe in a whole different sense. But I like to think that it's less shock factor on here, and more about they've we've actually made someone think about something. Well, at the very least, they'll have thought about what their classification of spirit is when it mm. comes between prophet and um, saint. But we'll see. The um, Well, the other part of it is obviously litter box, not to go back to toilet specifically, um, but kind of cats. Because that's what's cool on Instagram these days, cat pictures. Um, I'm all about the pugs. Oh no! Oh, they're so squashy sweet. little noses with their with their snuffling because they can't breathe. No, they're quite, they're quite funny. Oh, hate it. Pugs like and a... huskies. Oh, I've huskies. Those are on my good. on my Instagram. I don't have any other animals on there. Although I do like to follow the, you know, I like the fishes. Those marine, those um aquariums that they make like. Oh, there used to be this thing called Tanked, I think it was, where they'd make really crazy-ass aquariums. They'd turn, like, a slot machine into an aquarium or make an aquarium bed or a car or something like that. Oh, okay. amazing. I could follow that sort of stuff on the Instagram. So it would be a cat epiphany. So what would a cat epiphany be? I don't know. A cat meme? No. Cats know too much. That's the problem. Something catty? We can do catty. You are always catty, Liam. That's never a problem. So what will be covered in terms of epiphany then? So moment of sudden and great revelation or realization so a litter box epiphany you're talking about having an epiphany on the toilet but what about just a really crap epiphany 
What about one where you've realised? We've wasted 10 years. When the house burnt down because we went on holiday and someone let the toaster on, we all shouted at each other and said, it wasn't us, it wasn't us. But now I've just had the sudden realisation that when we went to Floor Ventura and the house burnt down, it was me. It was me. An epiphany, a rather shit one, because it don't get me anywhere. In fact, it just makes me feel kind of bad about myself. But would that be a, a, a litter box epiphany? Maybe an epiphany you don't want to have. Like the realisation that you've spent 10 years with somebody and now you don't need, need them anymore. Or you should have left them nine years ago. Are you getting that as an epiphany? <laughs> <laughs> no, but did it scare you for a second? It kind of did make me think someone's been reading my personal diary. <laughs> I don't know. I think litter box epiphany is an epiphany that's somewhat crap. So would that be? Because we have people that come to us with great realizations and stuff, and we kind of think, eh, yeah, try a little harder next time. Well done. Well, it's something they've they've either had a realization or they've gone through something, and they kind of there it's mucked up their paradigm and been such an eye opener experience for them. And you kind of think, yes, a day in the life of me on a slow day. You kind of think, yeah. yeah, that's not really very impressive, but it's sweet that it means a lot to you. I'm sure yes. you get a lot of clients like that, don't you? Certainly at psychic fairs. Definitely at psychic fairs, especially when they've kind of done. I find when people have done magic for the first time, one mm. of those, when they've had their first kind of positive response to a spell, um, you know, even the little ones, like, you know, when they're, mundane seeking magic and they do their first lottery spell or something and they end up with their you know winning on a scratcher after you know making a little charm bag or something a few days before um it's such a huge thing for them so you know obviously not a negative one but one of those kind of shitty epiphanies that might change the world i guess Slowly but surely. Um, yeah, I suppose you could. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to decide if if litter box epiphany is more a bad thing or a good thing. A bad thing. Litter boxes are yucky. Yeah, but they also stop cats shitting all over your house. So to me, it's yeah, a really positive thing. They're awful and they're all yucky. It's a, it's, a it's a necessary evil, isn't it? I suppose. Like the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> now that's going to upset some people. Well done, Liam. That's why I said it. <laughs> I think they would be more upset if I denied that it was a thing, though, wouldn't they? Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. We need to ask the right sort of people. I think we need to get one of those love and light lurkers on here. You know, the sort of the ones that go on protests and stuff and don't wash for weeks on end. I think we need to get one of them on and question them about such things. That could be a brilliant episode. But anyway, that's it for this edition of the No Halls Bar Witchcraft Podcast. You can tune in and listen to the extended edition of this here little podcast if you're brave enough, that is, by paying a nominal fee, a very small amount, uh, is much less than the BBC licence fee. And <laughs> all the proceeds, get this, all the proceeds, people like the fact that proceeds go to charity, Chris, but all the proceeds go to us. I mean, come on, can you not think of a better place for your money, your hard-earned cash to go than to the fastest witches in all the land, you know? <laughs> Think how many X hexes for free we could perform if you guys subsidize that, which you do by supporting us on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. So thanks, guys. You've broken up many a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're officially on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon, so now we can get personal, right? 
Have you ever had an epiphany for this entire lifetime that you've had as Christopher Evans, the Christopher Evans, even though I know that's not your real name, but it's your public name. Um, have you ever had a genuine epiphany that you can think of that actually did change your life or change the way you operate or anything like that? Oh, that's a big one. I don't know. I've had had moments of kind of, you know, when you kind of have those kind of change of direction ones, like the biggest ones for me are kind of like the moment that went, I don't want to work in the medical field. This is a really bad idea. There's too many robots. So then I go and decide to find a robot to spend all my time with. Do you know what I mean? Like just one of those... That, that's a bit of a litter box epiphany, I guess, isn't it? It was a good idea that also led to another bad idea. <laughs> do you, do you, what do you, do you dislike about the medical profession? Is it the fact they help so many people? <laughs> what do you dislike about? Were you forced to help the sick and needy, Chris? No, what I mean is there's no alchemy, there's no true alchemy left in it. It's all, so it's they all. They got rid of the chemist and replaced it. Yeah, with they've the got all the beep boop beeps doing everything now right all the robots and the and the um, machines do everything you can't you can't accidentally um load up the oh my words have gone what's the word i want centrifuge wrong and have it swing off and go through a wall like that those sorts of days are gone you know what would you say throughout the centuries of human existence? Where is the golden age of medicine from Chris's perspective? <laughs> um, are you thinking when the NHS was founded? Or are you thinking, you know, way back when, when they used to experiment on gladiators and such? I, I still think the NHS is one of the best things ever has ha ever happened to medicine. But what it's currently being choked into is not necessary. So before we start, you know, I'm going to say something really shocking on oh, the basis yeah. of being a complete and utter conservative um, and then turn around wait, and say... Wait, wait. You're one of those bastard Tories. I'm one of those you bastard Tories. A Tory? but, but I'm not a big fan of privatisation of public services. That is uh, something that makes me feel... Um, uneasy. So before we started selling off the NHS, that's whenever that peak was. So yes, that's probably my my best part of that. Wasn't my idea. I wasn't around. You know, I like to use that phrase a lot. Yeah, you do like to use that phrase a lot. My get out of free, my get out of jail free card. That is. You can't really use it were monstrosities and disasters and such things that have happened in your lifetime because you have to say I wasn't interested or yes that was me I hold my hand up that was me the whole Brexit thing I kind of pushed for that I wanted to see what would happen I knew it would be amusing what are you trying to say Liam you blaming me for things I don't think I'm blaming you for things. I think I'm trying to stop you from using your get out of jail free card by saying I wasn't here. You can't blame me. Well, the thing is, I can, cause, I can cause a lot more damage when I'm not on this planet than I can when I am here. So that's probably not really a get out of jail free card. I'm more likely to have caused the problem not being here. No, you're basically turning around in that point and saying, well, my fingerprints aren't on it. <laughs> you know my fingerprints aren't on it and then saying you know how to get regular fingerprints don't you it's <laughs> <laughs> done both well chris not for yeah, your my, choir boy reputation my thoughts trying, are always fucking prove it and fucking prove it your facade is slipping no i work really hard on this on this facade So no real epiphanies then? 
I don't think so. Not magical ones, anyway. What about life ones? Let's get to know the real Chris, even though that's not your real name. <laughs> um, no, not really. I like I like seeing students have their real epiphanies. So when when student students say things like, you know, they finally realise deities aren't such a big thing or do you know what i mean when their perspective shifts mm. those are the things that excite me are those kind of moments when they suddenly realize something they can do or the things that they used to do don't matter so like the first time a student stops thinking about fixing people's love lives or um meddling in local affairs like when they suddenly start thinking those those things aren't big enough anymore f for you to waste time thinking about. I think those are quite exciting. Um, or when the, f f you know, people take animism to the next level um, and they discover properties that no one else is talking about mm. to particular plants, that sort of thing of kind of going, you know, and reaching that kind of next level. Um, the sort of ideas that make make witches level up are the things that I find quite exciting. Me personally also like the ones that force witches to level down, but they're normally when you you know put your foot on the red and you kind of like you know. Hmm. Now, you, would you say there's such a thing as a dark epiphany? In that epiphanies are normally things where I don't know there's a certain amount of enlightenment I'd say that kind of thing generally a positive if not slightly scary thing but can there be such a thing as a dark epiphany one that horrifies and breaks one psychologically like when a Christian loses their faith or you know that might be a light one a dark one might be uh, when a Christian loses its faith and converts to another religion <laughs> yeah a dark epiphany one where it is a shattering stuff from a psychological perspective and that certainly shifts your, the paradigm that you kind of live and dwell in your own little world but for the worse off you're worse off not for the better necessarily because they would say like um a i suppose i had one here. of those i suppose i had one of those fairly recently um when not a paradigm shift but a kind of polite reminder of the rules of this this here dimension shall we say when i had my problems with the um that group we don't talk about the society the society no, oh, talking so many groups we don't talk about. You'll have to narrow it down. Do you mean the one with the famous golden arches, or do you mean the society with the P? No, I mean, I mean we the. Call it the P society. I mean the group. I mean the group of sleep uh, sleeping giants that we don't talk about. Oh, I see. Yes, the giants. So that kind of remark, that reminder that I had that a few weeks ago that I don't have all the access I should be using. Yeah. Mainly to stay on off off the radar. But there's that part of me that kind of goes, oh, this shouldn't bother me. But it's mm. going to. That sort of you know that do you know what I mean? I completely understand what you mean, and I do understand that when you decide, I'm I'm only going to take a look, but I'm still technically going and getting close enough to stand on the chessboard. But when you stand on that chessboard, you're part of the game, and even if you decide to remove yourself, the precedent is there that you've joined, albeit briefly, yeah. and therefore that's inclined to happen again. So I get you. And you know me, I like to keep keep the kick gloves off. Don't I don't like people to know 
I'm here. So no, you're like a hidden hand. You just manipulate others, don't you? Exactly. Don't you have lots of pairs of gloves? Exactly. Like the inner order of the buff mystery school. <laughs> Are they not all but your puppets when they pass the initiation and go up through the rankings of the cult and become a wife? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The the um, the many wives of Chris or getting Paul, hands dirty, depending on which language you wish to use. Now, is it legal marriage, Chris, when one becomes a wife, or is it merely just a magically binding contract of some description? Is it like real marriage, or is it more like what is it that the gays call it? A civil partnership? Like a fake <laughs> marriage, right? It's kind no. of like similar, but not the same. You should know by now, I don't use marriage. It's called ownership. Ownership. Um, yes, it's more like, uh, I don't adoption. know, some Middle Eastern <laughs> friends idea of a marriage, isn't it? <laughs> In that you have multiple. It's more, it's more of an it's more of an adoption. Do they all have to call you Big Daddy, or is that a choice? No, no, I really don't. Really don't. Um, no, I like. I I'm more of an adoption than a marrying them. Uh, marriage marriage gives the illusion that they've got some kind of rights. Right. So, like one of those people where they say, if you go to the dog home. The dog will always know that you're the only thing that stands between it and death and therefore will be extremely <laughs> loyal to you. You're one of those sorts. Did you learn that from our good Christian friends? Because they often prey on the weak and needy, don't they, in order to get more converts? I don't prey on the weak and the needy. Have you ever set up a, a food bank? No. No? I'm the sort of person that goes goes into prison and, you know, starts on the biggest bitch there. Okay. So what, 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 what is that going to say, Chris? Like we're trying to read behind. Some of the, the some of the listeners are trying to read between the lines here, and they're a little bit lost. They're trying to think. Wait a minute. So does that mean Chris just wants a pack of alphas, <laughs> or does that mean Chris has got a type or something? We don't know. We need to know. Because otherwise, how else are we going to know what to become if we want to get chosen by Chris to be in Chris's cult? You see? The little witchlets, they want to mould themselves to be your perfect slave, and you need to give them a blueprint of what that perfect slave looks like. You know all too well, Liam, that my blueprint changes all the time. Depending on what is required at the time. Right. So they're like the only... Daleks then, drone, eternal, you know, they've got different types of designated Daleks, different modes and such, don't they? They colour-coded them at one point, I think, didn't they? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about Doctor Who. Well, they had an episode or something where they colour-coded and they changed the whole look of the Daleks and then nothing happened with it. You only ever saw the same ones, which was the basic, like, drony ones. Uh, okay. You've got an impression that they all were like supposed to be doing something, supposed to be special, but then like nothing really happened with that shit bit of story writing. That sums up the new series of Doctor Who entirely, yeah. I think. Mine's mine's more like Star Trek. They're colour coded to their usefulness. You know? The engineers are down at that end wearing the yellow, you know, etc. So are you like a Borg queen? You say, oh, I do much like these occultists. They make for wonderful tactical drones. <laughs> Probably. Yes. And the uh, drug-addicted musicians, they do wonders for the Venusian aspect of my plan. I don't collect musicians. I generally avoid them. What is it that you do like to collect? Do you have a favourite favorite thing to collect? If we were to rifle through your drawers, would we find a certain, I don't know, type of subordinate? 
type of sub? Um, it depends on what context we're referring to, Liam. We're talking magical context. Magically, because this is about magic, isn't it? Well, you know me. I like a good natural. Oh, you see, I'll take the triads. If you take the natural, that's fine. I'll take the triads. It's good because they try really hard, Chris. Do you award more parts? And this is the thing, like at school, like you get points for effort, for effort. and you get points for the right answer. I've always been one that thinks, well, realistically, I care more about points for effort because points for the real answer, but really poor effort being put in shows that if you ever did come across something that you could not solve, you're not going to put much effort in to solve it. Whereas the person that's constantly up against a struggle and a battle, but they always give 100%, to me shows you that's who would you rather have your back? Would you rather have the person that normally gets things right through a little bit of natural talent, or would you rather have the person that's very persistent? Obviously, we collect both. <laughs> we collect both because they're not clear-cut categories. Mm. You have naturals that really have to work hard, and you have work hards that get the answers quicker than others. So, no, my, I like... I like to know the journey, obviously, um, as I travel the lunar path a lot more than the solar one. So I do like to see people's working out. I don't mm. like people that just give me an answer. I need mm. to know how they got there. The answers are less, less relevant than the, the journey. And would you prefer your answer in the format of an expressive uh, form of dance media i don't mind how the how the working out that would be somewhat lunar wouldn't it i won't tell you but i will show you <laughs> fox trot twirl fox trot big finish um i don't really mind the uh, to how the answer is performed As long as they've got an answer, what I can't stand is the ones that got all questions and no no attempt at answering any of them. They just add more and more questions to the list. You know those um, armchair magician likes the ones that go, oh well, I've I've asked the questions. So somebody's given me a vague answer, and I've moved on to the next question rather than actually finding out the answer themselves. Mm. They're easily distracted. Mm. You think they're easily distracted? Is that why it is, or is it something else? They get a I think taste of getting there, and then they think, oh, I'm going in this direction now. So is that just being impatient and getting easily distracted, or is that what? I think some of it's laziness. Mm. They don't want to put the work in. Why is it that you think so many people actually do fail at occultism? Is it because, because I've always put it to, they don't really want it enough to put any real effort in. Well, I wonder whether that's really the case, because like you can generally tell effort, and a lot of the people that fail, I find that there is no real effort. Whereas some people will say, well, I just don't think that way, or I'm just stupid kind of thing even if you are stupid there should be some evidence of effort being put in you know mm. yeah i'd rather see a page worth of scribbled out wrong answers than than one right answer with its perfectly looking working out um i just i don't know I think part of it, lots of people fail through arrogance, which I know is a strange one to come from me. Mm. Um, but where they're like, oh, I've done that now. It's done. And they've gone as far as they could think of when they were fairly mundane. Does that make sense? 
yeah like they, they see a trajectory they get that far and then they're going to don't realize there's fur there's more beyond so like you know see their first wiccan book as all there is to see once they finish reading it they're done like i don't think there's enough but i think part of that is because i don't think there's enough people talking about what's possible so well, then the things i think we do all right with this podcast because i think we touch subjects that i don't think a lot of people really discuss i mean we do it in a blasé way because it is like a conversation they would have in general you know it's not instructional um but no i i get you here's a question right so if epiphanies and stuff we talk about breaking paradigms and with the breaking of a paradigm you're breaking your system shattering your universe and then a bigger one takes its place you learn more you become a different person ideally stronger or you become a quivering wreck in a padded cell room going forwards and backwards forwards and backwards um either way an epiphany a paradigm shift could one cheat or have you ever seen anyone try to cheat by magically inducing an epiphany is there an epiphany spell or something like that you're aware of anyone's ever tried no but i have known lots of people try and break themselves in order to get there so some people or ask certain spirits to push them through mm. or uh, i've known people kind of like um you know dream challenges or whatever you want to call them these uh, kind friends. of questing yeah. that's the one um you get a lot of that i don't it's more like a magical fat camp though isn't it where they just yeah. to go camp. stuff like that yeah so what I know we've talked about the possibility of building magical objects that do exactly that with the Jumanji yeah. game situation. But the that's probably the closest to answering your question I'll get is I've never known anyone try and go for a epiphany spell. Um, I have had the opposite happen. I've had people like just running up and down the same little trench indefinitely and burning themselves out to the point that they don't stop to think, where are they? They don't try to think and change their perspective. But a fair few of those. So do you've not ever taken Sister Mary Alice's rosary beads and programmed the rosary beads, turn them into a magical object that delivers an epiphany that actually Jesus isn't real and doesn't love Mary, uh, Sister Mary Alice? You would never force an epiphany upon someone using a magical means um for shits and giggles or otherwise no it's it's not something that's ever occurred to me to be honest to break somebody that way not that i don't break people i do enjoy breaking people but the i've never thought to do it that way i suppose it's a little bit too obvious it's a little bit too direct is it not perfect revenge though because you know how much of a, a transition like that is going to really fuck someone up and destroy their life but it's all for the better and they can't turn around and not be grateful for it afterwards and yet it causes them such pain it's like the best form of revenge because you're so lovely for having done it and yet you can sit back and watch that trauma that it causes to their life i suppose you're back to designing perfect torture again aren't you i am you're thinking i've never seen yeah. your brain work so hard in a podcast <laughs> um i no, i suppose my terms of revenge tend to last a lot longer if someone's if someone's worked worked me up enough to design a revenge it will normally be some kind of hell so that might be reliving and reliving multiple multiple lifetimes the same shitty existence 
for uh, dropping help. them. No, it's not. It's not designed to learn anything. That's My revenges normally do. They more normally force someone to be a better person in a painful way. I like that. That's a very Liam. You just want to hurt people, which I is why, like, really, I'm the nice one. You are the nice one. You're quite just, vindictive, really, aren't you? Deep down. I am. But you've only, if you got me to there, I'm not a vindictive well, person generally. Very hard. Really? I have a really high threshold for bullshit. What about that guy? That guy that you trapped within their own bloodline that time. What did he do to you? Showing off, wasn't it? Probably. I can't remember that conversation. I think it was something along the lines of he showed you off and you said something along the lines to me. I was in the bad I was in a bad mood at the time or something like that, and he said the wrong thing. I was like, oh, yes. it really takes a, yeah, yeah, Chris, it really takes a lot for you to go and do something like that. I'm Literally. a lot more mellow. I'm a lot more mellow this time round. But this was earlier in your lifetime. This was teenage years, I think, wasn't it? Yes. Well, I was going through shit then. Ah. I'm mellow now. Can you just blame it on puberty? Are we allowed to do that as magical practitioners? Yes, let's blame puberty. Okay, I'm going to blame a lot of stuff I did when I was younger on puberty. When does puberty technically stop? When you're does fully grown. Stops, or is there a specific biological date? When you're fully grown. So num normally somewhere between 21 and 25. But I'm still growing. You're not still growing. I'm growing. No, you're not. Yeah. I am growing. I know I've done before and after pics. Oh dear. What? You've got to take progress shots, Chris. There's nothing wrong about that. I don't post them on the Instagram. No. Altering your body is, growing. Not, is not the same as growing, Liam. Okay. So basically, i got to go and look at, you know, the, the door frame where you always used to mark how tall someone was getting. And when I got to my maximum height, is that when I've stopped growing, Chris? Yes, ish. Right. You is grow in lots... complete then. You grow... <laughs> You're into like textiles and weaving and stuff like that, innit? Yeah, well, no, because... The, if the rug was complete, then the tapestry would have been finished and we'd cut you off. So that would be death. Right. So... Sometime between when you start weaving your piece of fabric and the end where it gets cut off. The no. loom, I believe it is. The weave... The weave the you would start weaving when you start weaving... That's the actual post growth. Uh, so your max, your maximum growth would in that, in that analogy would be when you finish warping up the loom and you're about to start weaving, because all the potentials are there. So those are your okay. that's your maximum range, before you start weaving and then you tell the story. What what's the what's the earliest age I can do that kind of dramatic? Uh television thing that you see in television and film where I, I look into my, the mirror at myself and say oh we had such promise what's the earliest I can start doing stuff like that I don't think you're there yet I think that's probably 35 in gay 35. years I've got another yeah. couple of years in me yet apart from a certain fucking witch who thinks I'm how old did you think I was 39. Oh. It's not what I said to her. You, to be fair, at the time you were aging rapidly. Oh, I know. I did the Benjamin Button spell and now I made him backwards. And I got to make sure that there's the sweet spot. Because that's the problem with the Benjamin Button film, if you've ever watched that. He didn't pause the spell, did he? You're supposed to engage it and then you break the spell when you're at the, the sweet spot. You know, at least they knew how to do that in that fucking skeleton key film. Although they just swapped bodies in that, really, didn't they? Yeah. 
But there we go. We are out of time. I can't believe it. I don't even know what we talked about other than toilets. That's been it for this edition of the No Holds Bar Witchcraft Podcast. And uh, yeah, goodbye, everyone. Just assume we're waving at you guys. Just assume we're waving because we are. <laughs>